Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. We re-surrender. When we re-surrender church, what happens is a bit of a shift, a bit of a reawakening in us. And so I know for me, there's times where I need to often re-surrender. And what God does when I re-surrender bits of my life that haven't been in alignment with Him, He often reawakens me to something. And that reawakening is always to do with purpose. It always has a bigger picture. There's always a bigger perspective that He wants to lead me into. And at the end of my message today, I'm going to ask you, is there something that you need to re-surrender? Is there something that needs reawakening? And so as I share with you this morning, I would love you to be open to that, to be open to what the Holy Spirit maybe want to do in you this morning. All right, wonderful. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, creative team. Toddy, love you up there, big guy. That was awesome. Well, with all the craziness going on in this world, we need each other, don't we, church? We really do need each other, Johnny Sydney. That's right, as well as golfing, hey? (laughs) But um, yesterday, we had our walk to well-being. Now, you might not have been aware of this, but we had about 40 people who gathered yesterday morning at Merriweather, right right next to where the surface competition was taking place. And so I was very nervous because... I was helping organise this event and all week we'd had rain, all week we'd had wind, all week it had been shocking that predicting 70 to 80% rain. So here's Dan's there on a Friday afternoon going, God, hold back, hold back that cloud. Trying to do a bit of a Moses in my backyard, just going, God, hold it back. And anyway, sure enough, Saturday morning came and it was glorious. There was hardly any wind and no rain, and it was just a beautiful morning. And gee, there was a lot of fun that we had on our walk. And a few just thank yous. I know all these people aren't here, but I'm going to mention them, and I'm going to mention them in, a, in the 10 too, because I just we couldn't have pulled it off without them. Firstly, Chris, Chris Hughes, who was our chief walker. I think he's going to have that position in heaven. If anyone wants to go for a walk in heaven, Chris Hughes will be leading. Um, Beck McCready was pregnant and did 10Ks. Alicia Clark and Linda Poulter pulled off the most incredible banquet for a halfway stop. Brooke Disser, who'd recently had COVID, had recovered in time and also was a big help. And my wife, who pushed our little girl, Lola, six-month-old baby, around, did 10Ks as well. He got saturated with all the waves that were crashing over right near Fort Scratchley onto the wall. And also Marcy Collar, Julie Colthorpe, as well. And I know you're in here, so thank you to you for your help as well. But there were a few pictures that uh, went up. Did you see the pictures? Ah, here we go. This is us, W, Walk for Wellbeing. So this was us in the morning, and this is our little halfway point over in Carrington, getting much needed energy back into the system. This is me with little lols, my little girl. And then you can just see the glorious weather that we ended up having, even though this the seas were absolute nuts. Uh, it was terrific. There's, and Jonty gave us a nice little pep talk 
our physio, he, he gave us a great little pep talk to get us going and did, did some stretches with us too. So I think that was it. Yeah, awesome. Okay, last thing I want to remind you before I get into today's message is our Easter dinner parties. And I had mine on Friday evening. I had an old school friend come over with his wife. And you know when you have people over and it just, you think and you expect it's going to turn out one way and it almost turns out the other way. So Friday afternoon, I got home from work and I was a bit late and I was a bit tired and things were just hectic. And sure enough, I was also trying to get ready for this walk to wellbeing yesterday morning as well. So we'd got a new car seat too. So I'm trying to get that ready, installed in the car. And then I put it in the wrong way and it's just like not turning out the way I want. And the pasta wasn't quite cooked right and all of these things. But somehow God still came through. And so when I asked them if you would like prayer for anything when it came to grace, they said, oh, I wasn't prepared for this. But actually, can you pray for our family? And so I got to pray for their family. And my friend, his name uh, is Lloyd, and he lost his dad this time last year. And so when I was praying for their family, you could see just something really break over them. And it just was such an amazing opportunity that I, that I got to pray for them um, when he especially had been having a whole year of some grief and some pain in his heart. And so can I encourage you, church, so into this, invite someone over to your place or take them out for coffee, pray with them, ask, can I pray for you? And then who knows what may happen and come through your Easter dinner party. Cool. I just want to give you a quick shout out to our onlineers today as well. So welcome. Sorry you can't be here with us, but we're glad that you are watching us online. Who has been enjoying our series on the anatomy of faith? Yeah, it's been a terrific way to start the year. And I felt very challenged. Who else has felt challenged during this series? Yeah, lots of us. Who hasn't felt challenged? Because your faith's so perfect. Yes, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but each week when I've been listening to these messages, I felt God just do some shifting in me and almost like a game of chess where he's just going, Dan, this is what I want to work on. This is what I'm pointing out in you. This is what I want you to change. And it's uncomfortable when God narrows in on a piece of unbelief in our life. And he's often very direct about it. Okay? He doesn't have manners. He won't often have manners when it comes to unbelief in your world. He won't be like, excuse me, Donna Paulin, but there's some unbelief in your world and you need to change this. Thank you for being so cooperative. He isn't like that. You look at the way he talked to his disciples when it came to unbelief. You unbelieving generation. Boys, have you seen what we just did? The feeding of the 5,000. And you're forgetting already what just took place. Where is your faith? You have little faith. He's very direct when it comes to unbelief. And he will do that in your life when it comes to unbelief. So, today we're going to be focusing on the passage in Hebrews 11 verse 23 to 29. And it's a snapshot of Moses' faith highlights reel. Now, Moses receives the most incredible highlights package in this passage of Hebrews 11. You have all these other incredible faith giants, you know, all these other Abrahams and Noahs. But Moses gets the biggest highlights reel, a bit like the Knights 
performance on the weekend. Hey, Maddie. <laughs> Nights were terrible on the weekend. Ugh, God help us. In Jesus' name. Um, <laughs> I can have faith for that. Um, but we see Moses' highlights package. We don't really see the lowlights in this passage of Scripture. But if you follow Moses' journey in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, even Corinthians... No, I'm just testing you, just making sure you all know your Bible, Um, not Corinthians. But if you see, there's a number of challenges, a number of lowlights, a number of weak spots that are in Moses. And those low points for him and those areas of weakness actually help lead to the by faith moments that we're seeing here in Hebrews. So please be aware that the highlights package of faith, even in your life, will come through not just faith to be strong, but also the faith to be weak. Some of those moments in your life that are weak that you actually have to trust God in and that he calls you to be weak in an area. And how do I know this? Because of 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So today's message is all about faith to be strong and faith to be weak. Faith to be strong and faith to be weak. I hate being weak. I hate being vulnerable. And that's the pride that's in me. Also, just being a bit of a typical bloke. I struggle with weakness. I don't like being seen as weak. And even when I think back to my high school days, all right, because I was a bit of a smaller kid at school and we'd be playing footy on the field, sometimes to try and prove myself, I would target one of the big boys to try and bring him down if we were playing tackle footy. Because I didn't want to have or be seen as weak. And... It's something in us as human beings. We struggle often with this area of weakness. But I just want to spend a little bit of time now talking about faith to be weak. Hebrews 11 verse 23 says this, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Not because he was in COVID isolation, by the way, but because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, there were actually three women who protected Moses at his most vulnerable and weakest stage as a baby. Three women. Firstly, his mum hides him for three months. We're a brave mother. Can you imagine trying to keep a crying baby hidden <laughs> for three months? Um, she then creates the basket for Moses as well, and then releases him. Can you imagine the pain of having to release her own son? The other, um, the other woman that we see is Moses' sister. She stands at a distance as she's instructed by her mum, keeping an eye on Moses, and she approaches Pharaoh's daughter when Pharaoh's daughter picks up Moses. She actually goes and says, shall I get one of the Hebrew women to nurse him for you? What a brave young girl. So brave. And then the other lady was Pharaoh's daughter. She showed empathy. She, the Bible says she felt sorry for him. And so then she acknowledges that she actually needs help looking after this child to take him in. And so by God's grace, 
Moses' mother is chosen as the Hebrew lady to look after Moses. What an amazing story. But these three women, no, they weren't Destiny's child, the band, <laughs> but they did save the destiny of a child, okay? And there'll be plenty more of those great jokes for later. But uh, these three women help us see a couple of divine truths that I just want to show to you right now. Number one, these three women, okay, their perspective was to save this child, to protect this child, but God's perspective was purpose. And just the other day, I got to go with Denny White and I got to go with Ian Wood for um, our backyard, okay, our, our community service that we provide. And I got to go with them and see some of the clients that had lived in their car for two years and that now we had helped resettle through in large living as well. And it was incredible because there was this partnership through our organisations that we had provided to help save and protect and get them into a home. But when we went there, they were so thankful and there was this whole purpose, new purpose and perspective that they had being settled in a home. And it just made me go, wow, God, there is a bigger purpose going on. When we speak up for the vulnerable, when we speak up for the weak, when we are a voice for them, God steps in and says, hey, your perspective is just to help protect them. But my perspective is to actually put purpose to help them see the dignity and value that is on their life. And so Moses' mother also knew when to let go of her child and the seasons when you need to do that. If she clung to her own child, many more Hebrew women would have suffered losing their own child too. And so her step of faith right there was a step of freedom for others and for future generations. We know that through the Israelite journey and story, years of slavery, and then Moses leads them out. Can you imagine if she had not released her son? right there on the banks of the Nile that morning. O.S. Guinness says this, Faith to be weak serves God, and in doing so serves men, and in serving men serves God. I want you this morning to see that faith to sometimes be weak and vulnerable really does serve God and serve men. And we've seen that in the life of our church the history of our church is built on people who have been sacrificial, who have given to something that is bigger than themselves. And because of that, we can sit here and we are standing in freedom now because of a lot of their sacrifice. Hebrews 11 verse 24 to 26. Let's keep moving. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What a temptation for Moses. I hope you understand this, that he is now in royalty. When he was in Pharaoh's house and family, uh, when Pharaoh's daughter, a part of Pharaoh's daughter in that family, okay, he is now living in royalty. And so Pharaoh's daughter is said to have been childless. And so there was a chance that Moses could have been, could have been uh, in the, his future king, been made king and Pharaoh of Egypt. But that passage tells us that he chooses 
something different. He chooses a different path. He chooses to be a son of Abraham over a son of Egyptian royalty. And I go, wow, Moses, are you kidding? You had the Lamborghini lifestyle. You had the opportunity to be on crazy rich Egyptians. Okay, He had that opportunity, the Red Sea retreats, to be fed the grapes on the bank of the Nile from a servant. How cool would that be? But faith, faith, and faith to be weak is uncomfortable. God calls us to a higher way of living, which inevitably means choosing suffering over sin. Matthew Henry says this, It is a wonderful thing for people to be Christ-centered when in the midst of worldly business, to despise the world when they are most capable of relishing and enjoying it. Here's the thing. God actually knows how bad we are at choosing suffering over sin. He knows that. And so he actually promises to help us out. He says, look, my sons and daughters, I know it's hard for you to live this Christian lifestyle and hold on to your Christian values. So what I do, I promise to help you. I promise to give you some support. And even with my teaching background, when I teach 20 to 30 children in class, every child is different. Every kid has a different learning, learning style. Every kid has different learning needs. And so I recognize that I have to create, create different support structures to help kids learn these outcomes that I'm trying to teach them. And so to do that, you set up different scaffolds. You set up different supports and different avenues to help them learn. And that's what God actually does for us. And that's what he did for Moses. We see that with Moses, he actually says to Moses, I'm going to give you some support, buddy. I'm going to help you because I know how hard it is for you with this leadership journey to lead these Israelite people. Because not only have you got to lead yourself, You've got to lead your family and you have to lead these generations who have been living, living in a slavery mindset. So he says, I'm going to help you. So Moses recognizes that actually he's quite weak too. And so he asks God for help. And so God goes, all right, I'm going to give you your brother Aaron to help speak on your behalf. Aaron will actually speak for you. The other support that God gives to Moses is his staff. He says, use your staff for signs and wonders. And so this morning, I want to ask you, when it comes to a faith step, what is it that God might be giving to support you with to make that step? Is it a promise he's reminded you of? Is it a friend that you can go to and ask for help? Is it someone that you um, can go to and get wisdom from? Is it our church? Okay, there are things that God puts in place to help support us to make these decisions. If it was up to me, I would be going for the jam donut over the carrot stick every day. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll get home and the jam donut will be moldy. Or Lizzie will have already eaten the jam donut, so I've only got the carrot stick left. So he does things to help us out. Jordan Peterson says this, if you think tough men are dangerous, wait until you see what weak men are capable of. All right. The last part of the message, I just want to focus on now faith to be strong. In Hebrews eleven twenty seven to 28, back to Moses, it says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Notice now that he's not, notice, sorry, that he is now fearing God more than man. Big tick for you, Moses. Fear of God, 
over fear of man. It's a test for all of us. Um, Proverbs one verse, Proverbs one to seven. Sorry, chapter one verse seven says, "Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom." So here Moses is actually showing wisdom. It then says he persevered. Another key to strengthening your faith: perseverance. Like Ivan was saying, hold, hold that perseverance. Um, by faith, oh, sorry, because he saw him who was invisible. 28, by faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Hectic, isn't it? So why does God want Moses to keep the practices of the Passover? Well, knowing who God is, knowing what he does and part of who he is, God is a judge. And through this Passover, he was actually passing judgment. Um, he was separating holy from unholy, clean from unclean. And so that's why he gets the Israelites to paint the lamb's blood over the walkway into their home. Now, in a world at the moment where we need to be so PC, politically, politically correct, it's okay as Christians to actually assess. I'm not saying you stand in a position of judgment and you judge. No, that's God's, that's God's job, not our job. But you can assess good from bad, unclean from clean, beneficial from not beneficial. Assess. After you assess, separate. Separate. And you might be thinking, well, isn't separating a bad thing, Dan? Well, Separation isn't a bad thing if it's from bad things. And so God created the earth. And the first thing God does, he separates. Okay, Genesis 1, God saw the light and it was good. He separated the light from the darkness. And so as Christians, sometimes we need faith to be strong, to actually assess and separate from something that's unhealthy, to actually go, well, that's actually not right for me. Or what's going on right here in this environment, I know is not going to be healthy for my soul and I actually need to separate from that. And this moment for me was when I was in Berlin and I was at a bar and I was just standing around with these other guys who I had been just traveling with and something was getting passed around in the group and it wasn't a KFC chicken. This was something and I had a moment of, oh, wow, there's no one here that I care about who is with me. And I have a decision right now to make whether I actually join in with every other person who is doing this. And I realized, though, that if I had have said yes in that moment, it would have led to more yeses in the future. And so I had to actually separate myself and go for a walk and walk away from that. And there are moments where God calls us to a higher way and the journey of sanctification is a journey of surrender to God's ways, not the earth's highways. And if I had more time, we could actually look at the Passover in more detail. We could see the picture of Jesus in the Passover and the New Testament, his promises and his covenant. It's one of the most incredible um, symbolic images that happens in the Old Testament. But we don't have time. So... Let's go back to Hebrews 11. Okay, verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea 
as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Now, it's actually a huge moment of fear for Israel. Put yourself in the Israelites' shoes. Death or life is on your doorstep. You are scared. You are nervous. You look at people who are swimming in the ocean, who are stuck in a rip. Death or life is flashing right in front of them. Okay, You get scared. Anyone here that has been in a death or life moment, and I have, I've had people try to stab me on my way home, and right there, life and death was flashing right in front of me. And I thought, I've got to get out of here, and I ran as fast as I could, like Forrest Gump. Thank God, and I survived. But if you have been in a position where life or death is before you, it's scary. And so that's what's happening now for Israel. And this is what they do. They are so scared. This is what they say to Moses. In Exodus 14, verse 11, they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. The faith of the Israelite community is now going in complete reverse. Has your life and your faith done that? Have you been in a position, in a circumstance where your faith has started going in reverse? Yes, God, I can do this. I believe it. Oh, no, I'm not going to. And you start backpedaling. I have done that. I've got faith in you, God. This is going to be awesome. Let's see this through. Whoa, actually, this is harder than I thought. And you start reversing. That's what's going on. But every time God releases life, he releases purpose. And at the beginning of my message today, I said that when there's unbelief, God will be direct. And that's what he does right here with the Israelites. He's very direct with them. This is what he does. God reawakens their faith. It says in verse 15, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. To move on. To move on. And then we see Moses lift up his staff. And as you know, the Red Sea becomes one of the most famous stories of the Bible. But in that moment, why are you crying out to me, God says? Tell the Israelites to move on. Why are you seeing death in a circumstance? Why are you seeing fear? Why are you looking around? Move on. Get going. So why does God tell them to move on? Why is he so direct with them? Because... This is what I need you to hear. Movement is the key to reawakening your faith. The move, the actual move, the actual action of that faith, okay, brings the reawakening. It tells us in the Bible, without works, without action, it's impossible to please God. So therefore, there is movement that is needed. There is action. And so for us this morning... When it comes to reawakening, what movement do you need to make? What area is there like the Israelites right now where God might be saying to you, hey, I'm being direct with you, buddy. This is what I need you to do. That's what I want you to re-surrender, that piece of unbelief. Reawakening your faith. Um, Can I get you all to close your eyes, please? 
Faith is hard. This journey of Christianity is a hard one. Um, There's sacrifices and costs. But the beautiful thing is, as I've told you, he gives us support. He gives us help. And our biggest help is actually the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the comforter. He is your comfort, the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want you to have a think about an area in your life where there's some unbelief. Is it something in your career? Is it a job position that you just can't, you just can't reach? You've applied, you've applied, you've applied. You haven't gotten it. Is it maybe a healing as well? And God's saying, you know, I've covered this. I've got you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Is it another area about even tithing and giving? He's saying, hey, I actually want you to start tithing to this house and giving. I'm not sure what that area is for you, but I want you to sit there and ask him. Ask him. And he might be a little bit direct, but that's okay. That's all right. It's okay because we see a beautiful story in Mark 5 of Jairus' daughter. And Jesus, okay, as he sees this little girl, everyone believing to her to be dead, Jesus says, no, she's only sleeping. And they all mock, they all laugh. They all think, who is this guy? She's dead. She's been dead now for a long time. But Jesus says, she's just sleeping. And so he sends everyone out besides a few of his disciples and the girl's parents. And what does he say to the little girl? What does he say to her? Little girl, I say to you, get up. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Again, in this story, we see Jesus saying, move, get up. Like we saw in the Israelites, move, get going. He's saying it to the little girl. Little girl, get up. You can move now. And that's what he'll do for you. He might say, look, that's the area. That's the piece of unbelief. Now move on it. Move on it. I'll help you. I'll give you that scaffold. I'll give you that staff. I'll give you someone to help speak for you. Whatever it is. And so Holy Spirit, right now I pray that you would, Father, would speak to us. We know that unbelief is in all of us. That you bring us into a place of re-surrendering. And when we do that, you reawaken, you stir things, you stir purpose. And so, Lord God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your comfort through the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your peace. In your mighty name, amen. Thank you, church. Have an amazing week. Thank you, Dan. Wasn't that a great message, church? A lot of meat 
in that message this morning. A lot to pick up. You know, I love one of the points that Dan made. What has God put in place to support you? You know what he's put in place? A book of life. A Bible, a gift that we have right there, full of promises for everyday life. What promise is real to you? Thanks, Dan. Great message. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.